So we're in teaching mode. Amen? Amen. We're in te- I, I, I said it, I'll say it again. We're in teaching mode. Amen. That means you're in listening mode. Amen? Amen. And so as I spoke before, I declare over you by faith that you have ears to hear what the Spirit of God would say tonight through the Word of God, because this is an important teaching tonight. Uh, last weekend, we began looking into the, to the timing of Jesus' return and the signs that are around us. And I know, you know, uh, uh, we don't talk enough about this. And uh, as we are progressing towards that culmination of the ages, uh, this is the thing we should be focusing on right now. Amen? Amen. Okay, I see we got to do some plowing here tonight. All right. So... You and I don't want to be out of sync with the plan of God. Now, the plan of God always has seasons. Amen? Let's talk about that for a little bit. I'll share from my personal experience. When I got born again, 1984, the season that the church was in at that point in time, at least the church that I was involved with and and here locally in this area, was just breaking into, well, not really. I was just breaking into. They're already in what, what, what would be called the Word of Faith movement. Has anybody ever heard that? Okay, a couple of people here. Good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. What that did was it brought the church into a season where there was extreme focus on the Word of God, not on feelings, not on man's tradition, but the teaching of the word of God, understanding that you can only know the will of God to the point and to the extent that you know the word of God. And that's why people sometimes will pray prayers that are nonsense prayers. If you don't know the will of God, if you don't know the word of God, you can't know the will of God. And that's why people will pray, well, let it be done according to your will. Well, he wants you to know his will. God doesn't want us to stay ignorant. We say, the Apostle Paul uses that phrase all the time. I will not have you ignorant, brethren. Okay? We're not supposed to be just walking blind. The Word of God is extremely easy to understand if we read it and study it and understand and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us. Okay? So now, that was that season. Teaching, 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 teaching. I remember one time, you'll remember this, for a month straight, every night of the week, we were tapped into a church in Dallas, Texas that was having a teaching seminar every night of the week. Man, we were sucking it up. Just the teaching that was coming forth from people like, uh, I'll mention some names, some of you know, people like Fred Price, people like Kenneth Copeland, Brother Hagen, Charles Capps, uh, big time names in that season. And so we were the word, the word, the word. And I thank God that I got born again in that season. Because the word of God has to be the foundation of our lives. Then another season, the next season that came was more of a season of, of joy. And so you would see laughter and joy breaking out in services all over this country. Okay, and I could tell you experiences here, but I won't take the time tonight. That was a, that was a wild season. Amen. Wild season. Okay, the spirit of God would come upon it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, uh, some of you guys. Uh, and the Spirit of God would come upon a congregation and 
laughter would just break out. And, and we experienced that even at the beginning of this church. And so you go through seasons. And, and, and with, with the season that we were in the 70s, 80s, 90s, the church was caught up in a season of, let me use my faith to see what I can get for me. And that's not good. That's not good. Now, does God supply all of our needs? Yes. yes. Will he supply them for you? Yes. Absolutely. But it's not supposed to produce greed. It's not supposed to produce a materialistic mindset of, you know, it's a gimme, 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 gimme. Okay? Uh, and unfortunately, thank God that season went by quick. Amen? So the season we're in now is for the church to use its faith. Now, we develop faith. If you're a newcomer here, we are a faith church. We, are, we believe in the word of God. We believe in the promises of God. We believe in the faithfulness of God. Okay? We believe that we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We hear his voice. Yes. Say this to me. I am his sheep. I, am sheep. I, hear, his voice. I hear his voice. And the voice of a stranger, voice of a stranger. I will not follow. So now, if we're tapped into the Holy Ghost, okay, if we're sensitive to his voice, now we would understand that the season that we're in now is not looking for the end times. We're in the end times. Now, I know that could, be, could shake up a little bit. If you weren't here last Sunday or last weekend, please make sure you go listen to last weekend's message because I can't go through all the review from last week. I can go over a couple different things. Understand this, though. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to experience seasons. Say that to somebody. You're going to experience seasons. It's not always winter. It's not always summer. Thank God it's not always winter. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not always summer. We go through natural seasons, but you go through seasons in the spirit. And I feel very impressed to address this other issue before we go any further. There are many of you. Let me rephrase this. There are many of us that are in a season right now of extreme warfare. You see, the enemy has you convinced that you're the only one, yet it is a corporate attack over the body of Christ, okay? The enemy has upped his game. Why? Because the closer we get to Jesus, his appearing for the church, the more you're going to see this, okay? In the Old Testament, in the first covenant, you saw some uh, spiritual demonic activity, but not like when Jesus shows up on the scene. It's like every devil came came out of nowhere, came out of the woodwork and showed up. Why? To contend for who he is. And you would hear them. You'd see recorded in the Gospels. Jesus would confront someone who had a devil, had a demon, And they would say, we know who you are. Isn't it amazing that the devil knew Jesus more than the the disciples did? They knew who he was. And so it's not a coincidence right now that there's an increase in demonic activity. You see, 20, 30 years ago, you had to go to Africa, to China, to to India to experience demonic activity. Because, you know, you get what you worship. I'll say it again because some of you didn't get it. The reason you see a lot of demonic activity in those cultures and those civilizations is because you get what you worship. Here in the United States, what's the manifestation you see? Greed, materialism, 
uh, stepping on each other to get what you want. Why? Because you get what you worship. Yeah, you better hold on to that one because some things in your life might fall into place if you consider that. You get what you worship, okay? So don't think that what's just me. Nobody, I can't talk to anybody because it's just, I cannot tell you, I emphasize enough how many individuals we have had reach out to us within the last few months like, I don't know what's going on. I have these thoughts. I have these urges. I have this. Cool your jets. It's not just you. It is a corporate strategy of the enemy that's directly tied to the last days. And I keep saying this. I wish someone would go study it out and see it for themselves. In the book of Daniel, I believe it's in chapter 9 or chapter 10, it says that one of the strategies in the last days of the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, is to wear out the saints. And what better way to wear somebody out than with mental warfare? You listening? So don't flinch, don't budge, don't raise your hand. You're not alone. We pray for you. In fact, in the name of Jesus right now, I come against every attack of the enemy against every mind. I come against every attack of the enemy would try to bring confusion even now, tonight. In the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ is against you. Devil, in Jesus' name, you take your hands off of God's people. I speak clarity of mind. I speak stability. I speak soundness of mind over every individual in this room in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, let's jump in. Last week, we talked about two of the major signs that Jesus himself gave to the disciples as signposts to alert them to when he would be coming back. You getting this? There's dozens and dozens of signs. We concentrated on two major ones because they're indisputable, documented fact. Number one thing that Jesus said to the disciples to look out for, and of course, he was speaking to them, but it's reserved for us in these days. Number one, he said, watch when the nation of Israel comes back again. Watch when God's people come back to the nation of Israel again. That happened 74 years ago. It's not like, oh, it happened yesterday. No, we've been living in that season for 74 years. Jesus said, when you see the fig tree blossoming, and the fig tree always represents the nation of Israel in Scripture. When you see the fig tree blossoming, know that it's near. Well, the fig tree started blossoming 74 years ago. Second, second major sign, Luke chapter 21. Can we get that Scripture up there? Luke chapter 21. Jesus talking about what would happen to the Jewish people from that time that he was in until the last days. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. Has that happened? Yes, it has. The Jews were dispersed all over the world to every nation. Okay, the Romans decimated them when they conquered Jerusalem, when they took over Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And that happened in 70 AD. 70 AD, not 200 years ago, 70 AD. Okay, literally, literally, to my knowledge, every one of the disciples was still alive when that happened, except for James everyone, and Judas, because he hung himself. Every one of the disciples saw this happen. Amen? And watch this now. 
And this is what he said. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, non-Jewish kingdoms, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That happened in 1967. That's 55 years ago. You see what I'm saying? So for the past 74 years, the church has been living in what Jesus called the last days. Are you getting this? Don't sit there frightened because this is supposed to comfort us. He's coming. He's coming. Well, Pastor, if you only knew the problems I have. Honey, hang on. He's coming. Pastor, I can't believe my life has gotten the shape. Hold on. He's coming. And when he comes, every believer all over the planet will see him. Every believer. The world won't. And they'll wonder what happened. And they'll probably explain. When, when Jesus comes to receive us unto himself, and every believer on the planet disappears in a split second, what do you think the world is going to say? Oh, this was a massive alien abduction. Why do you think you're hearing so much about this stuff? Why do you think Hollywood's producing so many of these stupid movies? Okay? There's an entity behind that that's driving that. So that when it happens, that's how they'll explain it away. So people don't turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. You listening? Don't look at me like I'm whacked. Give me an opportunity to present all this information, okay? So he said, Jerusalem will be trampled down and has been and was from 70 AD until 1967. Jerusalem was in the hands of non-Jewish kingdoms, nations, rulers. Amen? Everything Jesus said came, to, came to, uh, to fruition, to total manifestation in great detail. Are you listening to me? You want some more proof? Jesus said, go read this in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus told the disciples when they were bragging about the temple, he said to them, you think this is magnificent? You think this is beautiful? Watch this, he goes. You're going to see with your own eyes not one of these stones. Now, the stones he was talking about are tens and 20 ton stones. He said not one of them would be left on top of each other. And it came to pass 100% accurately the way he said it. When the Romans came and destroyed the temple and they burnt the temple, all of the precious metals, the gold, the silver, everything melted because that has such a low uh, melting point. And it went all into the joints of these blocks. And the Romans came with slaves and pried everyone apart so they could get the gold and bring it back to Rome. Everything Jesus said came to pass 100% accurately. Now, let me, let me ask you this question. Should we doubt then if every one of those prophecies came to pass? Should we now doubt that the rest of the prophecies are going to come to pass? Absolutely not. Listen. Whether we're ready or whether we're not, he's coming. Amen. The ideal thing for us is to be ready when he comes. All right? So now, let me just review real quickly. Um, the disciples wanted to know when he was going to come. He spoke to them about this. He talked about it at the Last Supper. He gave an a analogy. He spoke to them with wedding language. They understood that wedding language to mean that he, just as a groom, comes for the bride 
in the middle of the night or by surprise. He said, that's how it's going to be. And you, you, the church, will be lifted up from this place. He said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you will be also. Now, I just want you to concentrate on that. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's talking to them, but he's talking to the church. Turn to somebody and say, he's talking to you. He said, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you so that where I am, you will be also. Are you catching this? Get the heart of what he was speaking to them. Now, let's go to Paul's revelation, this whole thing. Give me 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Watch this now. What did Jesus say he was going to do? He was going to go away, prepare a place for them. He said, I'm going to come back and get you so that where I am, you will be also. Yes? yes. Okay, now watch what Paul, Paul now gets progressive revelation and realizes what's going to happen. Watch this now. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm going away. Where did he go? Come on, guys. Where did he go? Heaven. So where's he going to come back from? Heaven. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a what? A commanding shout. And with the voice of the archangel, which will probably be Gabriel. And with the trumpet call of God, there's going to be this blast of a trumpet that every believer all over the earth will hear. Like a dog whistle. The rest of the world won't hear it, but we'll hear it. Why? Because we're going to hear it with our spirits, not with our natural ears. Okay? For the trumpet call of God, first the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, look at this, read it with me. Read the yellow words, words nice and loud with me. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air. In the air. So the next thing on the church's calendar is this. Very soon. Jesus will appear in the sky. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. It's right there. Jesus will appear in the sky. And every believer that is dead is going to come out of their graves. And in a split second, we're going to go right with them. We wouldn't even be able to discern who went first. But we're not leaving one of our dead loved ones here on earth. They're coming out of that grave. And we're all going to receive a glorified body, just like Jesus has, uh, not had, uh, has. Amen? There we will be with the Lord forever. Next verse. So encourage each other with these words. So encourage each other with these words. And this is normally when we would sit around with my family and uh, my sons and their wives and stuff, and we would talk about stuff like this. Usually, one or two of my daughter-in-laws would say, Dad, don't talk about this stuff. It scares us. Because we want to have kids. We want to say, yeah, 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 we all do. We want to continue life. And, but dear God, when you see Jesus in the air, you're not going to worry about anything that you leave behind here. Well, you know, maybe uh, I'd like to get my career going. For, for what? I mean, I'm not saying to sit home. Jesus said, occupy till I return. But you see, get your emphasis in the place where it's going to affect eternity. 
when he comes, we're not going to worry about anything that we left behind. We're going to be at a place of peace like never before. So encourage each other with these words. Let receive, receive encouragement today that he's coming. Amen? And so, so it's inevitable, just like last weekend. Now, let me read you one more scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I wanted to add this in. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50. Now, this is Paul again, writing to the church at Corinth. And he probably wrote this before he wrote to the Thessalonian church. Now, this I say, brethren, watch this now. Say, why do we have to be raptured? Because that's the title that's given to this event that takes place. The rapture of the church, the catching away of the church. Why do we have to do? Why can't we just stay here until Jesus comes in person? Well, watch this. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, go like this, go like this. Are you flesh and blood? Unless we got zombies in here tonight. Okay, are you flesh and blood? Yes. You have a natural body? Yes. Your heart's pumping? Yes. Watch this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We can't go to heaven with these suits on. These are earth suits. They're made from the earth so that our spirit can travel on the earth. Our spirit is in this flesh and blood and bone body. Are you getting this? Yes. We got to get rid of this. I don't want to look like this for all of eternity. Are you kidding me? That's like the worst nightmare. I'd wake up going, wait, well, am I really, am I here or am I in hell? Now this I say, brother, in that flesh and blood, these bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption, because these are going to be corrupted. And the, the older you, the longer you live, the more corrupted they're getting. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you, say it, say it, say it. A what? Mystery. Because many of you are sitting there going, what is he talking about? This has never happened before. Oh, we'll get, we'll get to that. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, you don't die in the grave and that's it. But we shall all be changed. Go ahead. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the what? Last trumpet. What did Thessalonians say? The trumpet of God. The last, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. And we may very well be, and I'm, uh, I'd be willing to stake everything I have on this fact that we are the generation that's going to experience that. We are the generation that's going to experience that. Now, let me ask you this question, because I heard somebody say this today. If Jesus was to appear in your room tonight and say to you, next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday at 12 noon, I'm going to come and receive the church. I'm going to come and rapture the church off the earth. What would you do? I mean, after you've got up off the ground, what would you do? Would you go and go uh, sit and watch television? Would you go and go, oh, maybe I should go grocery shopping? 
What would you do if Jesus came to you in your room and he said, I'll be here Wednesday at noon to receive my church off of this planet? What would you do? You'd get on the phone, you'd run to people's houses, you'd knock on doors, you'd stop strangers in the middle of the street. Why is it different now? He's coming. Even if it's five years from now, six years, 10 years, he's coming. Do you realize that God will take sometimes 10 years in a person's life just to deal with an issue? I pray to God that we would all get this sense of urgency. So let me give you some examples of this that has taken place already recorded for us in the scripture. Say, oh, what are you talking about? This rapture. The word rapture is not even in the Bible. Neither is the word trinity. But we see the concept. Yes or no? Yes. Is there any doubt that God exists in the trinity? No. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. But the concept is. Now, the word rapture doesn't appear, rapture. But the concept is there. It's the catching away of the church. They get the word rapture from the Latin word, which was taken from the Greek word, which is what the New Testament was recorded in in Greek. Okay? The concept is there. All right? So, uh, real quick, because i gotta, I got to finish this tonight. Enoch, back in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God, pleased God, and he was taken away. Enoch was taken to heaven alive. Didn't die. Heart didn't stop. Still there. Still there. Elijah, the prophet, was taken to heaven in a fiery chariot. God only knows what that was. That's the only words they could use to describe what it was. A fiery chariot came and took Elijah and brought him to heaven alive. He's still there alive. Okay? Jesus ascended into heaven. Was Jesus dead when he ascended into heaven? You, you had to think about that? Was Jesus dead when he ascended into heaven? Of course not. He was resurrected. This is going to happen. Don't be like the people in Noah's day. Noah's building the ark, and he's telling him, you got to get on the ark with me. The flood's coming. What's a flood? Well, rain's going to come out of the sky. And they went, this guy's crazy. Why? Because up until that point, rain didn't come from the sky. God created the earth in such a way that water came from underneath, like the original like irrigation system, like your sprinkler system. And, and, the, and the ground was watered from underneath, there was no clouds in the sky. That process wasn't even there. That came after the flood, starting with the flood. So when, they, when he said, yeah, rain's going to come from the sky, going to flood the earth, they went, this guy's out of his mind. Like you did when I said, Jesus is going to appear in the sky. And every believer, dead and alive, is going to go, I'm out of here. Now, I don't like to fly, and I understand that it's going to be in a split second, so I'm okay. I'm not packing Dramamine or anything like that. You understand what I'm saying? Now, now I'm making light of this, but trust me, this is not something to be made light of. He's coming. 
and you will not have the time to make the decision whether you believe in Jesus at that point. You have got to make that decision beforehand. You listening to me? So, how does this, and now we're in part two. How does this affect the church? What happens as soon as the church is taken off the earth is the earth goes into a new season, and it's not a good one, which the Bible refers to as the tribulation. Now, we don't need to go to the Bible to think, what what is tribulation? I'm not talking about, don't describe what the Bible says about the tribulation. What is tribulation? When a person experiences tribulation, what is that? Is that a good thing? No, it's bad. It, It speaks to me of extreme pressure, violence, chaos, confusion like never before. And that's what the Bible describes that time. And it begins this split second after Jesus appears in the air and every believer is taken off the earth. Okay? Now, we got to make sure that we, the church, leave things in place. This building will be here. We won't, but the building will be here. Okay? Our campus and wall, that building will be there. We should probably leave a set of keys under the mat. Our campus in Bayville, that building will be there. Why? Because there will be people that will get born again who heard the gospel but never made the decision. And when all their born-again friends disappeared, they're going to come to the conclusion, oh, my God, the Bible was true. Jesus must have come and taken all these people away. So what do you think is going to happen? They're going to fall on their knees, and they're going to ask Jesus Christ to forgive them, and they're going to receive Christ as their Savior. And guess what? They're, going to t- they're not going to have to, they're not going to have time to spend going to Bible school. They're going to jump in and they're going to now receive the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen. Millions and millions and millions of people will come into the kingdom at that point because of what has taken place. They will know now that everything that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was true. You listening to me? That's why we keep doing what we're doing. That's why we don't sit here like some groups have in past history. Well, Jesus is coming. Let's sell everything we have and just sit here and wait. No, no, no. Jesus said, occupy, and that's a military term, occupy until I return. We need to be busy. We need to live like he's coming 100 years from now, okay? But we need to have an expectation on the inside that he could come tonight. The urgency on the inside as if he's coming tonight. Amen? So... How does this affect the church? Well, let me give you some of the things that the Bible says are going to happen. We're starting to see some of them already. Unprecedented diseases. Some with no cures. Okay? Worldwide famine, not like we have it now, multiplied. Okay? In fact, a major percentage of the population of the world will die from hunger. Okay, massive earthquakes like it's never seen before. Now, earthquakes have been increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing, especially since the 1900s, increasing, both in severity and in frequency. Okay, asteroids crashing into the earth. Well, that's never happened. No, no, it's happened, honey. It's happened. 
It's happened. And, but this time it's going to happen on a massive scale, okay? One-third of all the plant life on the planet will be destroyed during that time. That's a seven-year period. Seven-year time, okay? I wish I had the time to go into that seven-year significance. Uh, you can study it yourself. As much as 50% of the population dies, and those that are born again in that season, after the rapture, many will have to give their lives and be martyred. It is going to be a horrific time. Now, the question is this. This is what we deal with in part two, and I'm going to have to move very quickly here. Will we, the believers, experience that season? I believe that the scriptures support the fact that no, we have to be taken off the earth before that can happen. This tribulation cannot begin because there's an individual that's going to rise on the scene and he's probably alive already on the earth. But he cannot be revealed until the church. While the church is here, this individual who's called the Antichrist that Hollywood tries to portray, always puts it in a, in a ridiculous fashion, but it's, it's a real person, okay? He will be the embodiment of Satan himself. This will be an individual who's given, him totally, who's given himself totally over to Satan, okay? And he will be in control uh, of great percentage of population. I personally don't believe that he succeeds in taking over the whole world. Some people do. I don't. I believe his goal is to take over the whole world, but there's still going to be some factions on the earth that are going to be contrary to him, and I believe the United States will be one of them. I believe the United States and England will... Not, not, I'm not saying that they're, the country's saved. I'm saying they will still be in position to try to resist him taking over the entire world, okay? Uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but whatever. So, so it'll be a terrible time, it'll be, but we're going to need... We're going to escape this, okay? Let me show you. Again... The Bible speaks both in word and in types and shadows, all right? All throughout the first covenant, we have symbols pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? We have the lamb and Passover. That directly is connected to Jesus. We see over and over again. I, don't, I can't go into a lot of them because we're going to run out of time. Now, the point we want to make tonight is this. If we're saved, we're going up in the rapture. That rapture, that catching away is going to take place before all hell breaks loose. But watch this now. Just like, are we seeing some crazy stuff on the earth now? Yes. We, we will see those, Jesus called them birth pains. Now, thank God for every woman alive that's ever lived that a baby doesn't just go boom and pop out. What happens? You start getting some pains. You start getting those, what do you call those? What is it? No, there's a name for it. Braxton Hicks. You start getting those twinges. What is it? Well, well, the, the, the baby's getting in position. Your body's getting in position. So you start getting little twinges. You start getting little pains. And then uh, you get a few more. And then now they're a little bit stronger. And they're coming a little bit closer. And, and then the water breaks. And then now from that point, it's like boom, 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 boom. Here we go. Okay? We're in the birth pains right now. But don't, do not discount. We're in the last days. And so you're going to start seeing crazy things happen more and more frequently and with more severity. 
stronger earthquakes. We just had an earthquake the other day, North Jersey. When does when when New Jersey have earthquakes? Okay, so you'll start seeing that. And, and there's signposts telling you, okay, get ready, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Okay, and just like you don't wait until the pains are like through the roof and they're like 30 seconds apart for you to go to the hospital. You, when, you, when you're getting close, you start going, okay, let's start, getting, let's start preparing. Let's get the bag together. Let's get our whatever, get your insurance cards. Let's get all this stuff ready. Why? Because you've got to go to the hospital. The pains are here. It's no turning back from this point. Are you listening? Well, that's where we're at right now. There's no turning back at this point. Jerusalem is back in the hands of the Jews. Israel is established as a nation again. Those are the two major signposts that Jesus said. When you see this happen, look up because your redemption is drawing nigh. In other words, I'm on my way. You listening? And don't be like the people that Peter prophesied about saying, oh, they've been saying this stuff for hundreds of years and Jesus has never come. No, he couldn't come before 1948. It's impossible. It was impossible. And I know, there were books written back in the 1800s. There was a major group up in New York State. I talked about them last week. They were called the Millerites, which became a more now uh, mainlined Christian sect. I, I don't want to use the word cult, although... Okay, there's a group that came out of it. They worship on Saturday instead of Sunday. They came out of that group that sold everything, went on a mountain in New York State back in the 1840s, I believe it was, because somebody in the group decided, well, we figured it out and Jesus come. No, Jesus couldn't come down. Jesus couldn't come down. But watch this now. You can't blame these people because the idea of Israel being a nation again in the 1800s was like, you're out of your mind. That'll never happen. They've been out of the land for almost 2,000 years. There's no way it's going to happen. No way it's going to happen. No way it's going to happen. And that's why a very dangerous doctrine and teaching came into the church in the 1800s that stated that God replaced Israel with the church. No, God never replaced Israel with anything. The church is the church. Israel is Israel. You listening to me? Let me throw this out before we go into this. All right. You guys are good, right? Okay. We have a major Jewish migration that's taking place in our area here. Has anybody noticed? <laughs> now watch this now. I know it could be unsettling for some people. But maybe this will help you to put things in the right perspective. The Bible tells us that when the church is taken off the earth, the focus goes back to Israel to preach the gospel. If the church is gone, who's going to preach the gospel? Israel. Now watch this, watch this. The Bible tells us very clearly that at the very, very beginning, it may happen that day that the church is taken off the, off the earth, 144,000 Jews will put their faith in Jesus Christ as a Messiah, and they will be the ones that will evangelize the world. If we're as close as the scriptures tell us we are, then we better treat these people that are coming into our area with respect and with as much honor as possible because some of them may be amongst that 144,000. So if you got an attitude, you listening to me? 
That hit me like a ton of bricks. They, many of these individuals, especially the, the younger men right now, if we're that close, they, some of them, may be among that 140. It, it's inevitable that some of them in this area are going to be in that group. Why? Because we have a, one of the largest groups. A, a, we have one of the largest Jewish communities in, in the central Jersey here uh, in the whole world. I, I mean, at one time, I don't know if it's true now, but at one time, years ago, I remember reading this, this statistic that there were more Orthodox Hasidic Jews here in New Jersey than there were in Jerusalem. So, you see one of these young guys walking down the street? You better, and I know they drive crazy, but you better, <laughs> you better have some patience. <laughs> Take that out of the recording. <laughs> but listen to me. They could very well be one of those evangelists that are going to reach thousands and thousands of people during that seven-year horrific period. And let me tell you something. They will have to be people of courage. They will have to be people of boldness. And many of them will probably give their lives for the gospel. You hearing me? <clears throat> All right. So let's, let's look at one of, the, one of the symbols, one of the types and shadows. Genesis chapter, whatever that is. Chapter 19. Okay. How many remember the story of Lot and his wife? Remember the one she turned into salt? Okay. All right. They, when Abraham and Lot parted from each other, Lot went to the area where Sodom and Gomorrah were, okay, which is where the Dead Sea is now, okay? Jesus comes with two angels, appears to Abraham, tells him, look, I don't hide anything from my friends. They're going to get nuked. That area is going to get destroyed, all right? Abraham bargains with him. Gets him down to 10 people. He said, Lord, if you find 10 people there, would you destroy the city? No, for 10 people, I won't. Okay? Good negotiator, Abraham. Because it started out with 50. All right? So now the angels go to Sodom, and they search out Lot, Abraham's nephew, who is in covenant with God. Even though he might not be living right, he's in covenant with God. In fact, the crazy thing, New Testament calls him a minister of righteousness. I don't know. So... At dawn the next morning, see, the angels came at night. They stayed in his house. At dawn, you could read that. That's a whole other deal. At dawn next morning, the angels became insistent. Harry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot, when Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. Amen. When they were safely out of the city, when they were safely out of the city, when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you'll be swept away. Oh, my Lord, Lot begged. Next verse, let's move fast. You have been so gracious to me and saved my life. You have shown me such great kindness but I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there and I would soon die. See, there's a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Uh, don't you see how small it is? Blah, blah, blah. Let's go. All right, the angel said, 
I will grant your request. I will not destroy the little village, but hurry, watch this now, escape to it. Look at this. For I can do nothing until you arrive there. That's the same thing that's going to happen here with the church. We have to get out of here before that hell can break loose. As long as we're here, that hell can't break loose. You getting this? Now, one other one, paraphrase this and let's go and, and we'll wrap this thing up. The flood could not come until Noah and his family were sealed in the ark. Okay? They're in the ark. The storm comes, the flood comes. What happens? Does it overwhelm them? No, it does what? Lift them up. They, they floated above the flood. They were taken into the ark before the flood could come. In fact, the rain could not start until they got in the ark. It's the same thing. Are you listening? Yes. Now, that seven-year period we're talking about, the last half of it is called the Great Tribulation. Okay? And it seems to indicate that it's both the devil pouring out his, all that's evil, but there's another component. God is pouring out his wrath, his anger, upon those who have rejected. Because remember, everybody else is off the earth. Okay? Believers will, there will be believers that get saved in the tribulation. Some of them will die. They'll be martyred. But some will be saved. They'll be protected. Just like in Egypt, you remember? God judged Egypt, but God's people were protected. You getting this? So it's God's punishment, God's wrath being poured out. That tells us right there, it's impossible for the church to be here. Okay? Let's look at some other scriptures. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than having been justified by his blood, talking about the blood of Jesus, we shall be saved from what? Through who? Through him, through Jesus. We're in Christ. Are you listening? We're in Christ. Turn to somebody and say, we're in Christ. He's already taken your punishment, my punishment, on himself at the cross. It would be unjust for God, after he has poured out that anger that should have came to you and I, already poured it out on Jesus, for now him to pour it out on the church again doesn't make any sense at all. We've been saved from the wrath through him. Now watch, is it even, even more clear one? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is a good one. Now, brother, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our what? Gathering. Gathering together to him. Now, that's not the second coming. The second coming, he comes to earth and he's here. This is us being gathered to him. Remember we talked about in the sky, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with that commanding shout, and the, uh, the trumpet blast, you, you remember that? Okay. Uh, now, brethren, concerning the coming Lord, concerning the coming Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter 
somebody faked a letter and sent it to the churches uh, pretending to be Paul, saying, I was wrong about all this stuff. There is no rapture. There is no second coming. And so he's trying to correct this issue. As if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Okay? Next verse. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, what day? The day when Jesus appears in the sky and takes the church off the planet will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. In the first probably two decades of my Christian life, I was taught and believed that that meant that before Jesus comes, there's going to be a massive amount of Christians that are just going to give up and walk away. That's not what it means. In the original language, that, that falling away, that word in Greek is the word apostia, where we get the word apostasy from. Now, we in our Western culture, that word apostasy means a bunch of people that stop believing anymore. But that's not what it meant in Greek. And that's, what it, that's not what it should have been translated here. What it should be translated here, watch this now, see how the meaning changes. That day will not come unless the departure comes first. The departure. Go look it up. Go look it up. The word apostia in this scripture, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. It's the word that's translated from Greek in other areas, departure. The departure of who? He's saying that day can't come until the church departs. Man, I thought a whole lot more of you would have got excited about that. <laughs> Which makes so much sense. Jesus is not coming to receive a church that's half, uh, half of the people walked away. He's coming to receive a church that's in power. He's coming to receive a church. He said he's coming for those who eagerly await him. The person that walks away from the faith doesn't eagerly await him. It can't come until the departure. The day of the tribulation, the day that the Antichrist is revealed, cannot come until we depart. We're out of here. Man, I wish some of you would go study some more about this stuff because I could tell you're like, mm, I don't know. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 and 8. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. Lawlessness, lawlessness. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. Let's put it this way. The spirit of the fake Christ, the fake Messiah. That's why we see violence increasing more and more. Because this spirit's already alive here on the earth. It's already at work. Lawlessness is already working. And it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. The Antichrist, go back, go back, calm down. <laughs> the secret one he's talking about here is this man who will assume power and the nations will give him power to try to control the entire planet. But it says he can't be revealed until the one who's holding it back steps out of the way. Do you know who the one that's holding him back is? Raise your hand. The church. While the church is here, we're holding it. If even one person is left here on earth, he cannot be revealed. As long as the church is here, I personally believe that person is alive on the earth. I'm not going to speculate who it is. But I believe that that person's already alive on the earth, okay? 
but he cannot be revealed while we're here. Amen. And people have written books throughout the years. Oh, the Antichrist is going to be that person. No, 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 no. Don't buy the books because he can't be revealed while we're here. If we're here, he's in hiding. When we're gone, he can come out. You listening? All right. So the important thing is when we wrap this up. important thing is this. Jesus is coming. Now watch this now. We may talk about this more in depth, maybe, I don't know, after the holidays or maybe sometime in October, November. Watch this now. Where are we on the calendar? God's calendar, not man's calendar. The next event for the church you experience is Jesus appearing in the sky, taking us off this place. Okay? We will be with him seven years to the moment. Seven years exactly is the second coming. Now, people say, well, nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Oh, no, no, that's not true. We don't know when the rapture is going to take place. But once the rapture takes place, every person on the earth that has a Bible will know he's coming back seven years exactly Write the time down. Seven years to the moment will be the second coming. That's why there will be a massive harvest of souls because they'll know, wow, this took place and the Bible tells us seven years to the day Then we got seven years to get ready for, the second, for him to come to return to the earth physically. Guess who's going to be with him? Every believer could you imagine what that site's And we all ride horses. White ones. Could you imagine what that spectacle is going to look like? And it says at that point, every eye will behold. Not the rapture. The rapture, only the saints, only the believers see him. Only the believers hear that trumpet. But seven years later, when he comes back, every eye will behold him. Could you imagine when the sky opens up and he comes and he's right in front on his white horse, king of kings, lord of lords, and you look behind him, as far as the eye can see, there will be masses of individuals on horses with him returning so that Jesus can set up his kingdom on earth and he will rule and reign in Jerusalem physically for a thousand years. There will be peace. There will be no Satan is bound. There will be no sickness and disease. There will not be any of that stuff. Everything will go back to the way it was in the Garden of Eden. Peace. Peace. It says in that day, a person that dies at 100 years old will be considered a child. We'll go back to, we'll, go, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be in our glorified bodies. But the people that are born after that time period, the, time, the, the lifespans are going to go back to the way it was back in the first covenant in the book of Genesis. You listening? Yes. Get your hearts ready. Get your hearts prepared. 